0: John 10, verse 27, it says this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful, we're thankful. Lord, thank you for your presence. God, we don't have to invite you here or welcome you here because I'm not present. God, you're everywhere. But what we are asking is to help us to be aware of your presence. So, Lord, just settle us right now. God, whatever we may have walked in here with, whatever we may be carrying, help us to lay it down. God, so that we can receive what it is, God, that you're serving us this morning. And so, Lord, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear what it is that you're speaking. And we say this, speak, Lord, because we're your servants and we're listening. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Everybody said? Amen and amen. Can I get a, Can I get a bottle of water? Thank you. I forgot mine. Family, we have uh, three kids, and our two boys are. They're close in age. They're about sixteen months apart, and when they're that close in age, and the seasons for the most part are, are pretty close to each other, they. We didn't have to buy new clothes for our second son, Titus. He would get hand-me-downs because why would we buy new clothes when these bad boys work and we just pass them right on down? Well, I got a problem. We got a problem. That's starting not to work anymore. It's starting not to work for a couple of reasons. And, and the first reason is this. Well, they're getting, he's getting tall. And... The reason well let me go back. The real first reason why it's not working is because them boys are rough on some clothes. So I said, like, no, let me go back. We didn't buy them with holes in them. They were just, you know, regular jeans. And you, you wash clothes and you look, you're like, how did, when did? So I can you can't pass it down. I'm like, Isaiah, son, how are you walking? older they get, it's like, you know, just like, how can I mess up the stuff that they work so hard to provide? The second reason why it's not working is because the boy is growing. There it is. There used to be, you know, a a good bit of difference in height between Isaiah and Titus, uh, but Titus is catching up, and we won't dare have this conversation around Isaiah because he has some kind of complex about it. Like, I'm the oldest, so there's no way that he can be taller than me, but you know, he's not in here. It's happening, and it's, it's going to happen. But it's not working anymore. We can't hand those down because the boy going to be flooding. And so we can't, we can't pass those, those jeans down to him. So instead of getting hand-me-down clothes now, he has to get new stuff. He's got to get his own stuff. And I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, That we have to move away from family a hand-me-down revelation of who God is. That we have to move away from a hand-me-down word. That that is cool what what revelation you got. That's awesome what the TikToker said. Be careful of that, please. That's awesome what that podcaster said. That's cool what he spoke to mom. That's cool what he spoke to daddy. But what is the Lord saying to me? That there comes a time where that's awesome. I I hear the revelation you got, but Lord, what is it that you're speaking for me? What is the noun word that you're speaking to my life? Why? So that I can walk in the lane that you've called me to walk into. So I can say, Lord, what is it? What direction do I need to go in? So I can have the discernment to say, listen, don't don't mess with her, don't mess with him, don't take that job, don't move to that city, don't make that deal right now. Lord, what are you saying to me? What what is it? I want to hear your voice because hear me this morning. If you're asking, well, does God speak? So this conversation isn't a matter of if God speaks, but it's a matter of understanding that he does and how to hear his voice. Because I can't imagine... That God would put human skin on to say, you know what? Y'all can't figure it out. Let me come down here. Let me do this. And then all of a sudden, he's going to do what he did, perform the miracles. And one day, he's coming back. But in that time, he's just going to say, you know what? I'm not going to speak to you again. I have to imagine that he's speaking. So that hurdle, that's not a hurdle. God speaks. But why is it that we're not listening? Why is it that we don't hear his voice. And it's so vital that before we build, before we do anything, we have to hear the voice of the Lord. If we're going to walk in purpose, if we're going to live out the calling of God for our lives, if we're going to see him do something in us so that he can do something through us, we got to hear his voice. And so t- today, if you're taking notes, you can title this conversation, Before You Build, Listen. Before you build, listen. Look at First Samuel Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, the Lord's word was rare. That in this moment, in these moments, in this time, the word of the Lord was rare. Now, was it rare because God wasn't speaking? No, he was speaking. It was rare because the people weren't listening and there was disobedience toward what God was saying. And so it can easily appear that God is not speaking when we don't find ourselves being obedient to his word. In fact, in those times, the whole idea of, of obedience was and, and listening was shown and by what you did. And so if you did not do what you were told or what was explained, then it was understood, well, you just didn't hear me. And so that's what ha- was happening in this moment, that the people were disregarding the word of the Lord. And so it appeared that it was rare. So the question isn't if God is speaking, but rather if we are listening. And I recognize this, that there are barriers that exist that keep us from hearing the word of God, that there are distractions that exist that keep us from hearing the voice of God. And I'm going to run us through these distractions. So for the purpose of being able to identify them and then develop a path forward on how we can create an environment to hear the voice of God. But here's one of the reasons why we don't, hear the voice of God is this, busyness. If I took a poll right now and asked the room, who's busy? You know, everyone's hands would go up. Your, your your cat's busy. Your dog's busy. Your little hamster on the wheel, busy. He ain't going nowhere, but he busy. Your kid's busy. Everyone's busy. We, we got it. I had a conversation not too long ago, and was sitting across the table from someone, and and, and they were new to the area, and I was like, listen, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of amazing churches you can connect with, and a lot of different things that are going on here uh, in, our, in our area. And speaking of amazing churches, excited, uh, we have uh, Pastor Amos who's here, and some of his team, they're getting ready to plant uh, Hope City Church in 2024. But there's a lot of, that's a good place to clap, we for church plants, come on now. But there's a lot of there's a lot of amazing churches in this community. But, you, but can, I, can I just be, can I be a little bit petty? I don't, I don't really have much room, you know, when people are like, I just can't get connected. I just can't find community. And then I ask them, but what are you doing? And they go, well, I'm just so busy. And then I say, well, you don't want community. Because community is work, but it's worth it. And so this person was telling me all the reasons why they couldn't connect, because they was busy. I'm like, you the only one busy? These were the thoughts that was in my head. Okay, y'all forgive me. Just being real. But one of the reasons why we don't hear God is because we're busy. Look at Luke 10, 39 and 40. It says this. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet. And was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. And she approached him and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do the serving alone? Tell her to help me and do her part. So sometimes our busyness can look like a good thing. Martha's like, Yo, I was serving. I was being a good hostess. I was practicing the way of hospitality. But what Martha was missing in this moment, that while that was great and that was awesome and that was a good thing to do, but Jesus has just stepped into the room That is, you need to sit down at the feet of Jesus and listen to what he's saying. So much of our busyness has to come with us missing time with the Lord. And so we're spending so much energy and time and effort trying to figure out something that if we would just sit with the Lord, that his spirit would download the solution to whatever problem that we're dealing with. But because we're so busy, we never give ourselves that moment to simply sit with the Lord. And we ask God, well, I'm doing this, and I'm showing up here, and I'm showing up that. But he's saying, I didn't ask you to do all of that. I said, would you sit at my feet? Would you be still before me? Because hear me, God is not found in your busyness. God is found in the stillness. That's why Psalm 46 and 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. That is, it's, it's time for us to sit down, to settle down, to not think we have to do one more thing. But the Lord is saying, No, be still. Be still. Embrace the silence embrace the stillness, embrace the quietness, and that's the place where we discover who God is and what he wants to do in our life. I love how it says, be still and know that I am God. There was a knowing that comes with being still. There are some some wrestling moments in that space. There's some tension that we got to feel. There's something that's going on where we're saying, Lord, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what you say that you are, and here's what you say that you can do. And so there's this tension here. And it's through that tension that we can discover who God is. It's like the prophet prophet Habakkuk who's having this back and forth with God. It's like, that's your plan? That's how you're going to bring deliverance to your people? But then through that tension, there's this moment that says, you know what? If you did it before, you can do it again. And so the Lord is not asking us to be busy and be all over the place. He's saying, be still and hear my voice through the silence. You know, sometimes busyness is really us trying to mask insecurity, and so we're insecure about something, and so we're wanting to be distracted. You ever talk to a person that their response is always, well, I got to pick this up, I got to go over here, I got to head over here, I got to get them over there? Because there's an insecurity, because there's something that they're not willing to deal with and address that being still with the Lord will cause them to have to address but Jesus goes on to say, Listen, Martha, that's great, that's awesome, that's cool. But look what Mary discovered. She discovered the one thing that she will not lose, that will not be taken away from her. So, busyness is one of the reasons why we don't hear the voice of God. Here's what else competing voices, competing voices. We have three small children. And sometimes I sit back and I just look at the environment and I'm like, This is crazy, <laughs> this is wild. Like, if you're on the fence right now trying to decide, kids right now, kids not yet, just come on over to my house. You're going to be like, it ain't the time, <laughs> thus says the Lord. <laughs> I didn't heard from him now. Because you got the boys, they running around screaming. They're playing football. They're jumping off tables and couches. And now they're running from me because I saw them jump off tables and couches. And then Zoe over here, she got Peppa Pig going on that she cried about to put on the TV, but now she's not watching it anymore. She's pretending around. She's running around the house being Elsa, trying to freeze everybody. So you got Peppa Pig going. You got football going. You got screaming going. And you got Zoe over here, let it go. Like, like, this is a scene. (laughs) Just picture that scene. But it's not over. But here's my wife, Katie, just in the corner trying to finish up a phone conversation. That ain't no environment to have a phone conversation. Excuse me, what you say? It is always one of those ones where it's like really need, she really needs to focus on. And, and of course, you can't hear. Can't hear it, then signed up for, don't know what you just signed up for. <laughs> Next week you get a text, you on the way? Because it's that environment is not conducive for hearing because there's so many competing voices. But what's crazy, we're living the same way. And we wonder why we can't hear the voice of God because there are so many competing voices. We've got school, we've got the kids' extracurricular activities, we've got practice, and and, and hear me, we got outside. (laughs) Y'all know outside, don't be playing. (laughs) We got outside, so many places, so many areas that we can't hear. The voice of God, it's not that he's not speaking, it's that we're distracted by all the voices. And we make all these excuses, like found in Luke chapter 14. There's an invitation to the banquet, but there's all these excuses. Well, listen, I got a field. I got to go take care of it. Listen, I got some oxen. I got to make sure they're good. I just got married. I got to make sure they're good. So here it is. Jesus is saying, hey, let's sit. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. But we can't. You know why? Because there are so many competing voices that we say, listen, I don't have time for that. And then we ask the question, God, how come I don't hear your voice? Lord, did I miss it right here? God, are are you silent? And he says, no, I'm not silent. But you're just not listening. Here's another area that causes us to miss the voice of God. It's an unprepared heart. In the unprepared heart. You know, I don't consider myself uh, to, let me just rephrase that. I don't have a green thumb. I say I don't consider myself like someone else would, you know? Like, no, nobody would make that mistake. You need help with your lawn, don't call me. It's going to be brown through the spring as well, right? It's like, is this still dormant? It's a a new type of Bermuda, you know? It's a new one. But I don't have a green thumb. But I do have this understanding that if you're going to plant something, Right, if you're going to throw down seed, there's something vital that you need to do. You need to break up the ground. You need to till the ground. You need to prepare the soil so that as the seed hits the ground, it's not falling on nothing that's conducive for growth, but it's falling on an environment that is ready for growth. We have to prepare it. It's the same way with our lives and hearing the voice of God. We have to prepare our hearts because our heart is soil. And, as, and if that soil isn't broken up, then the word of God is not going to fall on soil that is conducive for growth. But the seed, the word of God is incorruptible seed, and it will always bring forth a return. But if we don't prepare our hearts, family, then the word is falling on seed where it can't grow and produce. And what cultivates our heart is worship. That's why we have to live a lifestyle of worship because worship, a picture of worship is surrender. A picture of worship is saying, Lord, it's not the set list here. You know, that's awesome. This is a part of it, of gathering corporately and expressing gratitude and thankfulness and just worship and adoration to the Lord. But it's a lifestyle of worship. It's my heart. It's my mind. It's my thoughts. It's my posture of, of surrender. It's when Abraham is, t- Abraham is taking his son up uh, Mount Moriah is saying, we're going to go and worship. It was saying He wasn't saying we're going to go sing some songs. He was saying, no, we're going to surrender the thing that is dear to me, that is near to me, my plans, my ideas, my goals, all the things. They said, Lord, that's cool and that's awesome, but nothing supersedes this moment to surrender everything to you. And so as we live in that posture, it cultivates and it breaks up the stony places of our heart, the hard places of our heart, the places where disappointment has settled in, where pain has settled in, where we've been talked about, where we've been lied on, where we miss opportunities, where we feel shame, where we feel guilt. It breaks up all of that and it sets the stage for the word of God to settle into our heart and begin to remind us that the Lord loves us, to remind us that he called us, to remind us that he has a purpose for our lives is in the place of worship and when we live that way and allow our hearts to become that type of soil we can hear the voice of God we can discern that that's him we can discern that that's what he's speaking and that's what he's leading us into look at, I'll say this, I'll step on your toes just for a second that's why in this atmosphere you gotta get here before the first song kicks off The first Sunday of the year, I think, is January seventh, and guess what time service is gonna start? Nine and ten forty-five. And, and next October, it's gonna be nine and ten forty-five. What am I saying? It ain't no surprise. So y'all go ahead, iron them clothes. I did it Saturday night. I was sleepy. Iron them clothes, get it ready, pick out the kids' stuff, and y'all get here before. For my benefit, no. Because when you step in here and you can sit under an atmosphere of worship, the Holy Spirit is breaking up those stony areas of your heart that you've been dealing with all week. That that coworker that's been getting on your nerves, the kids who have not been listening. Come on, you and your spouse who was at each other just on the way in here this morning. And now the Holy Spirit can work on your heart so that when we get to this moment and the word of God is going forth, now the word which is incorruptible seed, it has the right kind of soil to now settle in and grow and produce a harvest. So now, the, now I will not sin against the Lord because I've hidden your word in my heart. Before it to get in your heart, you have to allow worship to be the place where your heart is cultivated compared to you come in and I didn't see. Is he talking about me? No. I don't know. I was focused. Okay? So I didn't see. But you come in on the third song and y'all was fussing on the way in. And so you over here singing, Wayne, make uh, I wish you would make a way for her to start getting on my nerves. Oh, he be... <laughs> Oh, he do that one more time. And then you get to the Word be like, yeah, we'll be eating after this. <laughs> Unprepared heart. 2 Corinthians 7.1. With promises like this to pull us on, dear friends, let us make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit in holy temples for the worship of God. That's why Paul says, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? That's why we don't go to church, but we gather as the church. So let us rid of everything that will stop the ministry of the Lord in our lives and hearing the voice of God. Now, those are things that distract us. Obviously, we can't stay there. We need to know and understand that we need to produce an environment to hear God's voice. I'm going to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 3 to set us up. So uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, specifically verses 1 through 11. i Go back and, and read that throughout this week. Uh, but basically, uh, Samuel, he's there in the house of the Lord. And he wakes up, a young boy, and he hears the voice of the Lord. And he goes to Eli and says, yo, did you call me? Because the Lord's like, Samuel. He's like, Eli, did you call? He goes to Eli and says, hey, did you call me? He said, no, I didn't call you. Go back. He comes the second time. Here I am. He said, listen, I did not call you. Go back. Third time. And then finally, I, Eli realizes, wait a minute. That's the Lord. And so he tells him, he said, hey, if you hear the voice again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So he goes back short enough. The boy, excuse me, God calls uh, Samuel again. And he says, speak, Lord, uh, for your servant is listening. And then Sam, uh, God begins uh, to download, to speak to Samuel. But I want us to, to park at verse 3, 1 Samuel 3, verse 3. So here's, here's the framework we're working with now. We're trying to understand how do we create an environment to hear God's voice. Well, we create an environment to hear God's voice when we read his word. So you can write that down if you're taking notes. We create an environment to hear God's voice when we read his word. So the lamp of God, verse 3, says the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. So look at verse 3. It says... The lamp of God had not yet gone out. So you can ask a question of the text It says, the lamp of God. Well, what is the lamp of God? Psalms 119 and 105, it tells us when it says, your word is a lamp for my feet. There it is. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. So the lamp of God is the word of God. And if you want to know what God is speaking, we have to get in his word. You know, oftentimes I've seen people where they, they want to get to this conference, to that conference. They got to get to this man of God, to so this woman of God, this, like they got to get to all these people. But yet I never hear them say how I've, I've got to get in his word. Because the reality is you can have prophetic moments and prophecy, which is future talk and all these things. But it can only say what the Lord has already said, Right? That the Lord speaking today is the Lord saying what he has already said by way of his word. And so we have to be careful. That's that's something for us to pay attention to. And to know if someone comes and say, yo, listen, I got this revelation on this that nobody has ever heard before. This, this, this is new. It's new. But it ain't right. <laughs> and you better run as quick as you can. Because the Lord... He's not saying anything new. If someone's speaking into your life, it can only confirm what the Lord has already said. You say, how come I can read his word and see something that I didn't see before? Well, because his word is alive and is active. And what happens, sometimes we're, we can read a passage. And just because maybe where we are in the station of life in that moment, we didn't see that. Because it wasn't a thing to be revealed for us in a moment. But now five years later, I'm reading that same passage, and because of where I am in the moment, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, reveals his word to us in that moment, and we're like, yo, i never seen that. So that's how you can read the same passage over and over again, but yet discover something new in it. And I love it because here's the the truth about God's word is that Scripture will always interpret Scripture. And so that protects us and keeps us from eisegesis where we're reading into it what we want to pull out of it. So if you want to know what God is speaking, get in his word. And it keeps us from needing to search for a word because, well, we can just get to his word. And the surest way to hear the voice of God is through his word. And here's what I love about the Bible. The Bible is the only book that when you read it, it reads you. You can read all the other books you want, but when you read the Bible, it reads you. You read it and you like, yeah, Lord, help your boy out. I'm not where I used to be, but you know, I'm on this journey. <laughs> but it don't read us to shame us. It, it reads us to reveal the redemptive work of Christ and what's available in our lives. And here's a method. You say, but how? How do I sit down? Well, first of all, pick a translation that's going to make sense. Listen, King James, you know, is awesome. It's great. But it, in, in a lot of spaces, it's out of tradition. It's not like the most, that's the blessed version of the Bible. They, they, Middle East didn't speak that way. Um, so find a translation that, that you can read. To understand what it's saying. Now, yes, there are some translations that that you probably should stay away from, and and we can talk about that. But find a translation that makes sense. And then there's this method called SOAP. You may be familiar with it or not, but it's scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And so it's taking a, a, start with a verse. Take a single verse right at the top of the page. Write it down. Look at it. Read it five times. Read it 10 times over. And then observation. Pull some observations from the verse, from the text. What is it saying? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal your word to me. What are you saying through your word? Before you pick up a commentary, before you go to any other source, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal his word to you and what he's saying. And write down the observations. And then you can go to some sources and you can read uh, some commentary on that. But first, pray and ask the Lord. And then look at it and say, okay, how is this applicable to my life? Okay, love your enemies. How How do I do that? Pray for those who persecute you. Okay, how do I do that? Walk by faith. Okay, so how can I actually apply that to my life? And then pray, what well, you just read? So we see John 27, 1027, where Jesus is saying, look, my sheep know my voice, so they they come follow me. So we pray. We say, Lord, help me, God, to, to hear your voice. Help, God, remove the distractions and, Lord, the barriers to hearing your voice because you say in your word that my sheep know my voice and they follow me. So, Lord, I'm your sheep. I'm one of your sheep, so, so help me to, to hear you. Because, Lord, I don't want to live life following my voice. I don't want to live life following the voice of others. I want to live life following your voice. So, God, would you help me to be activated in that, to be focused on you, to fix my eyes on you, the Arthur, the finisher, the perfecter of my faith? Will you help me to run this race with endurance that you give? In Jesus' name, amen. And you pray what you just read. And now the word of God is the thing that's being deposited into your life and is what comes out of you. In the moment a situation hits, boom, you're hearing the voice of God, which is found in his word. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? We got to cultivate his presence. So it says the lamp of God is the next way we create an environment to hear his voice is that we cultivate his presence. So the lamp of God had not gone out yet. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark was. Well, what was the ark? He was by the ark. In the Old Testament, the ark of covenant was a chest or box that had the Ten Commandments in it, and it symbolized God's presence. And so it was cloud by uh, day and and fire by night. You could physically and visibly see uh, the presence of God. It was where God's presence dwelt. But in the New Testament, God's presence dwells in worship. And can I tell you, God is attracted to worship. I look at 2 Chronicles 16.9. It's one of my favorite verses. It says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So it's the Lord. He's literally looking. He's scanning the earth. And he is searching and he is saying, who is fully committed to me? Who's really devoted to me? To live a lifestyle of worship. Where are the true worshipers? Where are the ones who will worship me in spirit and in truth? I love what Romans 12:1 says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So Paul is saying, I urge you. In view of God's mercy. Can we put that back up on the screen? It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So he's saying, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's goodness, in view of his grace, in view of his goodness and and all that he's done and, and all of what he's provided through his life our reasonable response would only make sense is for us to offer our lives as a sacrifice, for us to cultivate his presence and live a lifestyle of worship. Because oftentimes, here's why it's important to cultivate his presence and live a lifestyle of worship, because outside of that, when we look at All of what's happening in the world and all of what's going around us, we can easily find ourselves in a place of doubt and worry. And it's the voice of doubt that is heard in the place of worry, but it's the voice of God that is heard in the atmosphere of worship. And so we need to create an environment, an atmosphere of worship. I'm not talking about the set list. I'm not talking about the songs. But I'm talking about living a lifestyle of daily surrender to the Lord. And Matthew If you help me land this plane, here's the last way we cultivate the environment to hear God's voice is that we get planted in the church. We get planted in the church. So it says the lamp of God had not gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. We'll go back. It says he was laying down in the house of the Lord. So he was in the house of the Lord. He heard the voice of God. In the house of God. And so I'll just say this to us listen, don't don't date the church, but marry the church. Make a commitment to the church. Say, like, look, I'm gonna protect the unity of my church, that I'm gonna serve the church, that I'm gonna give towards the church. I'm gonna be generous with my time, talent, and treasure. Because here's the thing the church is not, uh, I've said it, the church is not the place we go to, but it's, it's the people that we're a part of. And so it's was looking to the left and to the right and saying, man, I'm, I'm committed to you in your spiritual journey as you're committed to me in the growth of my spiritual journey. That's why in Acts 2, they, they met house to house, but then they gathered together as well in a corporate setting. So this is not the end all be all. This Sunday morning is a celebration of what's taking place all throughout the week. But, the, you know, people say, I just couldn't find community there. And I'm like, okay, how, how hard did you try? Was it? We want to be friendly. We want to welcome you. We want to smile. We want to wave at you in the parking lot. But guess what? It takes an effort on us as well to say, "I'm gonna go introduce myself." That I'm gonna say hello. That I'm gonna say, "Let's let's grab coffee. Let's grab lunch. Let's let's community is work, but it's worth it. But get involved in the life of the church. The average person, according to Pew Research, Barna, both of them. Have these stats, the average person in America, the committed Christian, one Sunday a month. One Sunday a month. That's not the marginal person. That's not the fringe. That's the one that's like, yo, I'm in. Church attendance. One Sunday a month. But here's 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 why I'm saying this is vital. And listen, you don't have to go to the becoming. Please understand that. You can go to any church in this in this city that's life-giving and, 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 and preaches the Word of God, I encourage you to go there if you don't connect here. Because the, these are environments are like going down to Handel's Ice Cream. You get a whole bunch of different flavors. Regardless of what you pick, you get ice cream. And so this may not be your flavor, and that's okay. You know, there may be another church that may be your flavor. Go there. Get connected and serve it. Pray for it and believe God's best for it. But get in church and, and make your way there every single Sunday. Are you going to miss some Sundays? Yes. Build your vacation. Get back on Saturday. So you can be in there serving with your family on Sunday. We do it. We got fall break too. We leave out on Monday morning and we get back on Friday and we're ready to go on Sunday morning. But serve the church. Why? Psalms 92. I had to say that so you don't understand. Oh, you just want people here. No, go to another church. That's where God calls you. My goal is for you to be connected because there's no becoming church or whoever. It's the kingdom of God. So go serve the kingdom if it's not within this local gathering. But Psalm 92, 11 through 13, it says, My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Plant it in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Plant it. In the house of the Lord they will flourish. So listen, Samuel heard from God in the house of God. I'm just saying this, go through Pathway. Maybe you'll go through and you say, you know what, this is a body I need to connect to. Go find out more about the vision of the church, the history, all that stuff. Join a Belong group. I'm so excited what's happening at Belong groups, small groups here at our church. We've had the most ever groups we've ever had, the highest attendance. So it's happening. Community is happening. It's developed. But, but keep it up. Host a group in January. We're going to kick off Groups 101. Go host a group. I love my city. Serve. We say this. We're not another church in the city, but we want to be a church for the city. But get involved. Here's my, here's my my challenge. What could your life look like if one year from today you say, I'm going to make a commitment for an entire year to be completely Involved and immersed in the church and serving it. Now that is. So some people say, "Well, listen, I did that before and they ran me crazy." I'm not talking about that. I'm talking in a healthy way, and perhaps you've been around this environment long enough. But that's that's the way we roll here. And so it's not saying forsake all things else uh, to do this, but it's saying, "What what what if I sh- what if I showed up? What if I went from once a month to twice a month? What I meant. What if I went from twice a month to three times a month?" What if I went to fortune What what could my life look like? And let's have let's sit down. Let's grab coffee. Let's have lunch. And if a year from now you say, Yo, my life isn't better, and you got to commit to it. But if you say my life isn't better, then I say, Okay, well, I guess I guess you were right. But I, I, I'll offer that challenge. God is speaking. Here's the reality I want us to get to: is that God is speaking, and I need to put myself in the right environment. Let's pray.